Well, I invite you uh, to turn to the screen as we would and take a look at our scripture as we've been dwelling in the book of Galatians chapter 5. And uh, we take it a little further today. Let's, let's read uh, these fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The fruit of the Spirit. In other words, the result of a relationship with Christ, where His grace and mercy and love through His Word and that Spirit having its effect on us as children of God, it will bear fruit. True faith uh, will bear fruit. And here we see a glimpse of what that fruit is all about. Uh, We said some weeks ago that we are designed as people uh, and fallen, broken human beings in this fallen, sinful world we are designed for full sun. We are not plants when it comes to our spiritual life that are made to live in darkness because we will wilt and we will crumble, we will fall apart and we will die. We are made to be in the light of the sun. Which makes me think, I don't think it's an accident that there is a kind of flower that is designed to grow in the shade and it happens to be called impatience. I thought it'd be a little funnier than that. I don't think that's an accident. And yet the fruit of the Spirit in the light of Jesus is patience. Some years ago, uh, we were on a family vacation and I needed to get back home sooner than the rest of my family. And we were up here in Michigan. We were on the west side of the state. Uh, We had one car with us. So uh, we were looking into alternative forms of transportation to get me back home at the time. And Uh, A train seemed to be the logical choice. In fact, what I know about trains is trains are always on time. I mean, after all, what can possibly go wrong with a train? They are known to be right on time, right? At least that's what I thought. And uh, I uh, arranged, got a a train ticket with Amtrak to be picked up from Niles, Michigan. Uh, I was planning to arrive in downtown Chicago uh, at uh, one of the the, uh, main station down there, and it was a a 2 o'clock pickup from Niles, and even with the time change, I was supposed to get into Chicago around 5.36, I believe. And uh, that was perfect because I needed to get back out to Mount Prospect where we lived, which was another commuter train ride ride that, that would take me about 30 minutes to get from downtown out there. And in time to meet up with some friends for dinner. It was going to work out perfectly because after all, trains are always on time. Well, my family dropped me off in Niles at the train station there. I went inside the train station and they waited with me for a few moments. I'm like, why don't you guys get out of here? It was like 108 degrees in the station. The air conditioning wasn't working. Like, go get, get on with the vacation. I'll be fine. As you know, trains are always on time. Don't worry about it. I'll be fine. So they left. And uh, the train was supposed to arrive at 2.05, and it came to be 2.05, no train. Uh, 2.10, I think, well, that's strange. It's late, but maybe it's a few minutes late. Uh, I waited and waited, started to sweat profusely, thinking, where could the train be? And then it started to occur to me, what if it was early and I missed it? By 2.35, I was starting to get a little worried. And there were other people in the station as well, so I thought, well, maybe I haven't missed anything. We're all waiting for the same train. Finally, 2.45, 40 minutes late, the train pulls in. I'm like, okay, no big deal. We're 40 minutes late. We'll make it up on the rails. I mean, after all, trains are always on time. 
optimistically, I got on the train, found a seat, reclined, and like, this is great, this is going to be wonderful, what a great way to travel, don't have to worry about traffic, don't have to worry about delays on the freeway or expressways, all will be fine. And we pulled out of the station, and we got a mile down the tracks at a top speed of about 10 miles an hour, and the train came to a halt. I thought, okay, maybe we've come to another train station. But I look on all sides, there's nothing but cornfields. And we're on the middle of the tracks, in the middle of nowhere, completely stopped, waiting and waiting and waiting. It came to a point where we're looking at each other like, what, what's going on here? Why are we stopped? And no announcements were being made and nobody seemed to have any answers. It took an hour before any word finally came to us that because of the warm weather, because it was a hot, hot day like we're going to experience tomorrow, uh, there were concerns that the rails in the heat might start to warp. So we just want to inform you we are keeping safety in mind and we've been inspecting the tracks in front of us to ensure that there'd be no possible derailment. I'm like, okay, I, I guess that makes me feel much safer. I've never really worried about, you know, the, how much steel warping in the heat. Are you kidding me? Like, okay, uh, sounds good, I guess. And finally at an hour and five minutes, now we're an hour and 45 minutes late, we started to roll to a top speed of about 15 miles an hour. We rolled down the tracks for another two miles, and that's when the train came to another halt. No explanation, uh, we just simply waited. But at this point, there was starting to be coming, there was a meltdown occurring in the train cars. Uh, babies were starting to cry and fuss, parents were talking, do we have enough formula? And, and people were starting to get hungry. And people were coming back from the dining car saying, they're all out of food. They're running out of water. And I'm occurring to me, I'm not hungry, but I'm like, I'm starting to be hungry because what if, what if we're trapped? And, and what if we have nowhere to go for who knows how long? And an hour goes by and finally they announce, we have been waiting for a slow-moving freight train to clear the tracks ahead of us. I'm thinking, a freight train? How does that have precedent over an Amtrak train? I was starting to lose my patience in a sanctified way, I thought. And, and an hour and a half goes by again, and, and finally they start to move. We got up to a top speed of about 20 miles an hour. I'm thinking, this is wonderful. Finally, we will start moving, and we will get closer to our destination. And that's when we arrived in Gary, Indiana. Now, Gary, you always know you're coming there because you can smell it, right? And, and, and the, the air is just a little different quality. And here we were in an industrial area, area of Gary, Indiana, and the train stops again. 45 minutes go by. I don't even know how late we are at this point. I'm looking at my watch and I, I, I'm worried about even making the last commuter train out of downtown Chicago. They announce, ladies and gentlemen, we have reached the maximum time that our engineer can operate this train, but fear not, we've dispatched another engineer from downtown Chicago. However, he is currently caught in rush hour traffic. He will be here within the next two hours. Are you kidding me? I lost it in a sanctified way, of course, right? But you ever been on that train where you just lose patience, like, come on, are you kidding me? Whether it's being caught in traffic, whether it's being a situation at work that you're like, are you kidding me? How could you mess up that bad? Or in your family, somebody hurts you, you're like, are you kidding me? We lose patience. I remember growing up and, and they say that 
Patience is a virtue. And as a kid, when I learned that patience is a virtue, what I remember thinking in my head is, what that means is it's unattainable, a virtue. How in the world are we possibly able to find patience? Well, what's great about what we're about to study, and as we've been looking at this word in this scripture, is that really what we've been doing through the course of these messages is really Bible study. This is what we're doing. We're studying God's word and doing a word study that opens up the whole of scripture. And we're going to do that a little further today. Uh, I want to invite you to join me in that. And uh, let's dive into what patience is all about, where patience comes from, and what's the context when God speaks of patience in his word. Here, here's the, uh, the background to it. There's a fancy Greek word up there. You can say, hey, it's Greek to me, you know, but this might be some great conversation over brunch today. Um, here's how that word is. It's, it's makrothumi, or, or actually makrothumia is, is the word. You got to put the emphasis on the me, the makrothumia, um, and it for, occurs 14 times in the New Testament. It's the word we get for patience. But there's several different contexts of what it can mean, and really it breaks down to two meanings. It can mean patience, endurance, constancy, steadfastness, perseverance, or it can mean patience, forbearance, long-suffering, slowness, oh, there it is, in avenging wrongs. Um, two different contexts for the same kind of word in terms of patience, but as we see it, here are the contexts. Um, and we'll see them play out. We'll go on to the next slide here. Two basic contexts that come out of this, and we see it throughout those 14 occurrences in the New Testament. First one is patience with God through suffering. In other words, when we face setbacks or challenges, losing patience with God and finding patience with God um, in our relationship with Him, and, and certainly as that connects through suffering in particular. We see that play out throughout God's Word. And the second context is patience with others who have wronged us. And tied into that in a great way is forgiveness, uh, as we'll see play out in a very real way before our eyes as we dive into Scripture a little further today. In fact, we're going to handle and grapple with that second one first, and then we'll come back and handle the first one with the brief time we have together today. So let's, let's launch into that. Here, here's a great scripture. Let's read it together. Proverbs 14, uh, with verse 29. A patient man has great understanding, but a quick-tempered man displays folly. Um, it does make sense that uh, wisdom comes by way of God's word, and as the, uh, the Proverbs often point out, great wisdom from uh, what it means to live life with wisdom Talk about folly is, is really the opposite of wisdom, and that a patient man has great understanding. Have you experienced this to be true? I'll put it this way. When you are impatient, are you at your best? Generally not. Uh, impatience, or the opposite of patience, generally leaves us in a less than sanctified moment. <laughs> Uh, no matter how much your pastor said he was sanctified, I was sinning to the core. I had lost my patience with the circumstance. Justified or not, I lost patience. I was not at my best. Impatience brings out the worst in us. And, and as Proverbs point out, a patient man has actually greater understanding um, than one who is quick-tempered. Because often, what's the opposite of it? We lose our temper. 
And we have that short fuse. And, and if you're one who's generally wired that kind of way, you, you're grappling with this in a very real way. You get it. Um, Proverbs 19. Let's look at the second verse here. Proverbs 19, verse 11. Let's read this one. A man's wisdom gives him patience. It is to his glory to overlook an offense. Interesting. Wisdom brings patience. And it actually... A greater study of Proverbs, we find that ultimate wisdom is actually knowing God and, and Jesus as the incarnate wisdom of God, the knowledge of God. God comes among us as wisdom. When wisdom, Christ has its way in us, there is patience. But the lack thereof actually uh, is a, a bad place to be. But it's to our glory to overlook an offense. We're not taught that in this, in this culture. We're, we're taught that if anything goes wrong, we got to find who's at fault, who's to blame, and how to hold over them the consequences. That's how we're wired as people. And yet that's actually counterintuitive when it comes to God's way in our life, in our relationship with Him. Jesus taught that very strongly in Matthew, 20, in Matthew 18 that we read in our gospel reading today. I mean, what a great story and example of this. Uh, Peter comes to Jesus, says, you know, how many times should I forgive somebody? You know, seven times? And, and he was being very generous to that from common understanding of the day. And Jesus says, no, I, I tell you the truth, more than that, 70 times seven. And then he goes on to tell a story. He tells the story of a king and a man who owes him millions and millions of dollars comes to him. He can't pay his debt. And he pleads with the king uh, to please uh, help him to pay it back, to just give him time and and the king does more than that. Rather than jailing him and he, he actually, or giving him time to pay it back, he does the unthinkable. He cancels the debt. Like, are you kidding? Who, who would do that? Just cancel millions and millions of dollars of debt? And yet that's what the king does. And you would think in response to that patience over him and that mercy over him, you would think this servant would go from there and be extremely generous and patient with others. And we find out that the very next thing he does is he comes across a man who owes him just a few bucks. And, and he, in essence, takes him around the neck and says, pay me back now! And he demands it of him. And the man says, please give me time. Be patient with me. And this man will have nothing to do with it. He says, and he locks him up until he could possibly pay back the debt. And you think that through. If you're locked up in prison, well, how, how can you possibly earn money? You're stuck, and, and that's the point, is this man has not been patient after his master has been patient with him. This is very kind of serious stuff. Jesus puts this on tantamount to saying, how in the world then, if your heavenly Father is patient with you, how in the world could we possibly then go out and not be patient and forgiving to others? And yet it happens all the time. And we don't think about it much. We don't really realize the severity of this, that actually we can possibly forfeit the grace of God, forfeit His mercy and His love on us by refusing to forgive others and be patient with them. That's serious stuff. And yet we see in God's Word how important it is to realize and lean into how great His grace and His patience is with us. In fact, notice what, what Timothy or Paul writes to Timothy, here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. 
And, and you know, Paul's writing that by the Spirit, but we can insert our name there too, of whom I, Mark Schwichtenberg, am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal life. What a testimony that part of our story as God's people, that which defines us and continually redefines us is God's patience with us in the midst of our sinfulness and our brokenness that God in his mercy has poured out his love in Jesus in spite of who we are to welcome us into his kingdom in order to open our eyes and give us a new lens to see others in the way that he first and foremost sees us, that we would open our eyes to see others with eyes of patience. Becomes pretty powerful stuff. Maybe you needed to hear that today. Maybe that, that grievance you've been sharing at work or in your neighborhood, and maybe somebody's sump pump and the water just keeps running on your yard and you just can't handle it and can't figure it out and you've lost patience, maybe there's a new way to look at that through the eyes of Christ, or maybe it's with a family member you've disowned, or maybe it's in other ways with a kid or somebody closer to you, even a spouse, to be able to have patience and forgiveness beyond what we could ever imagine. It's through the eyes of Christ and what he has done for us. That kind of thing can heal relationships, and God's desire is to do exactly that. But it doesn't stop there. What about patience through suffering? Maybe you're in the face of, of suffering right now and overwhelmed by it. Let's read Psalm uh, 6, verse 3 together. My soul is in anguish. How long, O Lord? How long? Being stuck on that train, like, how long, O Lord? And maybe that train is a setback in your health. Maybe it's, uh, it's, it's some other effect that you're facing in your life today, financially, or, or the brokenness of saying, how am I ever going to get through this time? How long, O Lord? I haven't been able to substantiate this, but I've read it in multiple places that the most repeated phrase in God's word when, when people are speaking to God or calling out to God, the most repeated phrase in all of scripture is this one. How long, O Lord? How long? And it makes sense, really, because often that is the cry of our heart. Uh, when we're having a hard time wondering, having patience with God in the face of suffering or struggle. How long, O Lord? Makes sense. How long? James 5 puts it in context too. He says, be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop and how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. As an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. And James goes on to explain the context of Job. And here Job was so blessed by God. He had everything going from him, for him. And yet it was all taken away. And he asked the question, well, why would God allow that? And yet Job in the face of it, calling out to God, how long, O Lord, how long? God was continuing to refine Job's faith and his steadfastness in that time, teaching him patience to rely more and more on everything God would provide. I was talking to Pastor Steve, and, and uh, he said, so how's the patience message coming together? And, 
And I said, you know, it's, it's a pretty powerful topic when you think of how God's word, word opens up with that. And, uh, and I looked at him, and, and, you know, he's riding around in the scooter, right? We call him Pastor Scooter uh, Grafe right now. And uh, he said, you know what? That's my biggest struggle right now is patience. And, and he said, I, I, I'm reliant on everybody right now. I can't drive. I can't go where I want to go. I can't get out of the car. It's just so hard. I got this scooter wherever I am. He says, I'm losing patience. That's my ongoing prayer. Give me patience. Give me patience, right? And uh, he gave me permission to share that today. Maybe that's your struggle today too. How long, O oh Lord? Finding patience. And yet we find in God's word this incredible promise that we're not alone in waiting on the Lord. God didn't promise we wouldn't face troubles here, but he teaches us through that ongoing struggle. God is allowing that. Perhaps could it come to a place where we'd say, thank you, Lord, for allowing this struggle, this suffering in my life so that I'd lean on you more than ever and find hope in the Lord and find patience in him. Maybe you're in the trenches of that right now and the train isn't moving very fast and you're struggling, but our God comes among us today to remind us we're not alone. The one who faced the suffering and the struggle on a cross to overcome and conquer is the one who's with us today. We are not alone to find patience. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you come among us and you give us circumstances in life. You allow them to occur and maybe we come and we are seeking patience in the face of being impatient with someone who's wronged us or hurt us. We pray by your Spirit's power you would change our hearts and minds to have a different outlook, a different lens to see them through the cross and the patience you have had with each of us, forgiving us where we were in our brokenness. Lord, we ask you not only have patience with others, but maybe it's patience with you that is needed. As we call out to you, how long, O oh Lord, how long? And in the pain and the struggle of life, to realize you are present with us as a God who has not stayed separate from this broken world, but you entered into it facing it head on, to face the suffering personally on our behalf, to be the one who would prevail and conquer it, and that in the face of the sufferings that we can connect with you with patience through your spirit. Lord, bless us in that place today to find hope in the light of Christ through, through faith and patience as a fruit of that spirit. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.